Hi everyone, this is Pedro Chung, and welcome to Bible Sumo Weekly, a Bible study podcast for everyday Christians. We are continuing our study through the book of Genesis, looking at the life of Joseph. Episode title, Pharaoh's Dreams Interpreted. Back in Genesis chapter 39, we saw that God remembered Joseph in Potiphar's house. In Genesis chapter 40, God remembered Joseph in prison. And now here in Genesis 41, we see that God remembered Joseph in Pharaoh's court. We'll be looking at the first 36 verses here in Genesis chapter 41, and we can divide today's episode into four sections. The first is Pharaoh troubled by two dreams, verses 1 through 8. The cupbearer remembered Joseph, verses 9 to 13. Joseph summoned to Pharaoh, verses 14 to 24. And fourthly, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, verses 25 to 36. So let's begin with the first section, Pharaoh troubled by two dreams. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows. And Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep and dreamt a second dream. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret it to Pharaoh. So Genesis chapter 41 begins two years later after Joseph had interpreted the dreams of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker while in prison back in Genesis chapter 40. And it's on this night at the beginning of Genesis chapter 41 that we see that Pharaoh receives two dreams in succession from God. I want to refer back or forward a little bit to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, where it states that the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So here in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, we see that God has full control over all things, including the minds of kings. And it's here in God's providence that within a day after these dreams are given to Pharaoh, Joseph will be released from prison and made vice regent. Let's take a closer look at Pharaoh's two dreams. So in the first dream, Pharaoh sees seven cows, attractive and plump, and they're feeding among the reeds along the Nile. And then he sees seven other cows, ugly and thin, coming up out of the Nile and eating up the seven attractive plump cows. And then Pharaoh awoke and he slept again. And then the second dream, Pharaoh sees seven ears of grain, plump and good, 
growing on one stalk. And then he sees seven other ears of sprouted grain, but they were thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears of grain swallowed up the seven plumped ones. And then Pharaoh awakes again, and he realizes that he had just received two dreams in succession. And so this following morning, his spirit was troubled because he feared that these two dreams portended that there would be an ominous future for his country. And so Pharaoh summons all of the magician, all the wise men skilled in interpreting dreams. And Pharaoh recounts his dreams to these wise men and magicians, but no one was able to interpret. Now, I think that the fact that no one was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams is very striking. These dreams were detailed with symbolism. And so it's hard to fathom that there were no one, none of the wise men and magicians were able to offer any reasonable interpretation. I think they likely tried, but none of them were able to interpret the dreams to Pharaoh's satisfaction. And again, I think we see here the providence of God. So in God's providence, he filled the mind of Pharaoh with these two dreams. And again, in his providence, he simultaneously empties the minds of Pharaoh's wise men and magicians, removing any reasonable suggestion of an interpretation. Now, let's compare Pharaoh in Egypt here in Genesis chapter 41 with King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2. Now, in Daniel 2, we see that Nebuchadnezzar was either not willing or perhaps he wasn't even able to recount his dream to his magicians and wise men. And so instead, Nebuchadnezzar commanded his advisors to be able to reveal both the dream and its interpretation without Nebuchadnezzar being able to recount or explain the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar actually stated that if a person could tell him his dream without him telling him, uh, he will be able to give its proper interpretation. And uh, the magicians um, of Babylon told Nebuchadnezzar and said that there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. But you see, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, the pharaoh of Egypt here is able to recount both dreams. And his advisors must have been able to at least venture some sort of guess on its interpretation. But the text says here, there is none who could interpret them to pharaoh. So God had blinded Pharaoh's magicians and wise men, making them incapable of even a reasonable response. And this sets up the cupbearer after two years remembering Joseph. Now, dreams were often used by God as vehicles of revelation to the individual when direct contact with God was not preferred. Now, I already reminded us that we saw this with King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2. This happens also in Genesis chapter 20, when God spoke to Abimelech in a dream by night. 
when Jacob was still immature, God appeared to him in a dream in Genesis chapter 28. And you also remember back in Genesis chapter 31, verse 24, God appeared to Laban in a dream. And in fact, uh, Joseph, when he was 17, while still in his youth, God gave Joseph his two dreams in Genesis chapter 37. God gave the chief cupbearer and the baker divine dreams in the previous chapter in Genesis chapter 40. And so we see here again that God uses dreams as a vehicle of revelation when direct contact was not preferred here in Genesis 41. Now, let me make one final comment. In the book of Genesis, should God want to make direct contact with an individual, he would either do so through a vision during the day or by physical appearance or what we call a theophany. And God does this several times in the book of Genesis prior to Genesis 41. But here in Genesis 41, God chose not to contact Pharaoh directly, and hence he brings this revelation to Pharaoh in the form of a dream. Now let's continue with the second section. The cupbearer remembered Joseph, and this is verses 9 to 13. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. So we see here that the chief cupbearer obviously overheard the conversations that Pharaoh had with his magicians and wise men. And he saw the magician's inability to interpret Pharaoh's two dreams. And so the cupbearer finally seizes this opportunity to remember Joseph. And so when he says, I remember my offenses today, the cupbearer uses the plural. And it implies that he had committed at least two offenses. The first was the original offense, which he was accused of in Genesis chapter 40, verse 1. And the second was his subsequent offense against Joseph in forgetting him. And so the cupbearer recounts to Pharaoh the story where Joseph correctly interpreted his dream as well as the baker's dream. And he shares the story to suggest to Pharaoh that this Hebrew man, Joseph, may be able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And if his suggestion proved helpful, the cupbearer would likely gain greater favor with Pharaoh himself. And Pharaoh is desperate here, and so he was amendable to the cupbearer's suggestion that he call upon this Hebrew man, this Hebrew servant, Joseph. He trusted the cupbearer, and because none of his wise men could interpret the dreams, again, Pharaoh was desperate. So let's launch into the third section, Joseph summoned to Pharaoh, beginning in verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. 
And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. All right, so we see in verse 14 that Pharaoh immediately sends for Joseph. And Joseph is finally rescued from the pit, that is, the prison. And to present himself properly before Pharaoh, Joseph had to shave and he had to change his clothes. This was to make Joseph look presentable before appearing to Pharaoh. One commentator explains, In the ancient Near East, only the Egyptians were clean-shaven, and the verb used here can equally refer to shaving the head or close-cropping it, another distinctive Egyptian practice. Now, once Joseph appears before Pharaoh, without any delay, any hesitation, any pleasantries, Pharaoh states his predicament that he had a dream without anyone to interpret. Now, Pharaoh doesn't actually draw attention to the inability of his professional magicians and wise men. Pharaoh also doesn't tell Joseph how he knew about Joseph. But ironically, I believe Joseph understood everything, even without Pharaoh disclosing any of this additional information. And so Joseph replied, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph was not shy nor reticent. Now, remember that during this time, the Pharaoh of Egypt was considered a deity. He was considered a God in Egypt. So for Joseph to speak so freely was a sign of his confidence in his God. And with years for God to prepare Joseph for this moment, Joseph was confident and ready. We see here that Joseph's reply revealed three important truths. First, Pharaoh's answer was not innately within Joseph himself. Second, instead, Joseph identified that the source of interpretation, including the interpretation of Pharaoh's two dreams, comes from Elohim, God. Note that Joseph uses the Hebrew term Elohim to address God to the Egyptians throughout the Genesis narrative. The third truth is that Joseph is prophetically pronouncing 
that his answer, God's answer, will be favorable. Here in verse 16, favorable is translated from the Hebrew word shalom. And so without even hearing Pharaoh's recounting of the dream yet, Joseph assures Pharaoh that the news that God will give him will be good. So again, Pharaoh gives no additional pleasantries. There is no examination of Joseph's credentials or qualifications. Without hesitation, Pharaoh summarizes his two dreams. Now, I want to take note here. In the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, repetition implies importance. The space for writing in scrolls is limited. It's not like today's time when we can just copy and paste and we have unlimited data storage. So to retell the explanation of Pharaoh's dreams a second time is significant because the narrator or the writer here, that being Moses, uh, is dedicating premium space to reiterate Pharaoh's dream. So because of this, let's dedicate a bit of time and compare the narrator's version of Pharaoh's dream in verses 1 to 7 to Pharaoh's retelling of his two dreams here in verses 15 to 24. And you'll notice that the differences between these two versions highlights Pharaoh's anxiety. So in verse 3, the narrator describes the cows were ugly and thin. But in verse 19, Pharaoh describes the cows as poor and very ugly and thin, and then adds the phrase, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. In verse 21, Pharaoh adds the additional detail that when the thin cows had eaten the plump cows, that no one would have noticed that they had eaten them, for they were still ugly as at the beginning. The narrator in verse 6 describes the grain as seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. But in verse 23, Pharaoh describes the seven ears of grain as withered, thin and blighted by the east wind. And so we see that Pharaoh adds more negative terms and descriptions in his retelling of his two dreams. Pharaoh finally admits that he had told these dreams to his magicians, his wise men, but they were unable to interpret and explain these dreams. And so Pharaoh here admits to Joseph his helplessness. And this is important because to see the Pharaoh of Egypt express this type of vulnerability to a Hebrew foreigner, this type of display of weakness and vulnerability is extremely rare. Well, now let's take a look at the fourth and final section. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's two dreams, beginning in verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, 
God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reasons of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. I want to actually, again, return to Daniel chapter 2 and compare Joseph with Daniel. Daniel's interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream was not given instantaneously. In fact, Daniel shared the overall situation with others as recorded in Daniel chapter 2, verse 17. And together, Daniel prayed with other people that Daniel might receive an answer from God. God then revealed the dream's content and interpretation to Daniel that night. Daniel then prayed to God in thanksgiving in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. But in contrast, Joseph did not seek guidance through prayer. Joseph did not need to wait to have God disclose privately to him the interpretation of Pharaoh's two dreams. Just like with the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker, Joseph was able to discern the interpretation of Pharaoh's two dreams immediately. I should again note that when Joseph speaks of God in verses 25, 28, and 32, he adds the definite article with Elohim. The definite article with Elohim is the usual way of referring to God in the Old Testament. But Joseph is highlighting that this God is the one and true God, not one of the many false gods identified by Egyptian polytheism. In other words, Joseph will, every time he refers to God, he will say, the God, the God, the God, implying that Joseph's God is the one and true God, not the false gods that the Egyptians have been worshiping. So Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And Joseph explains that the significance of the number seven are referring to seven years. Seven years represented by the healthy cows and ears, forecasting seven years of abundance. Seven years represented by the thin cows and ears predicted seven years of famine. Only one sentence is used to describe the years of plenty, but Joseph uses five sentences to describe the years of famine. Now, I'm not sure what you think 
when you read about famines in biblical times. Because in modern times, a lot of times when we think of a famine, we just think that there's a drought and we can't irrigate and water our plants or our garden as much. But in the ancient Near East, a seven-year famine would be utterly devastating. Most of us will still remember that during the first few weeks of the COVID-19 pandemic, the entire economy shut down and the stock market crashed. But the economy only shut down completely for a handful of weeks. But imagine if the entire economy shut down for seven full years. That is exactly what would happen in an economy that is 80 to 90% dependent on agriculture. A one-year famine or even a two-year famine would already be devastating. But a seven-year famine could essentially wipe out entire nations. And Joseph explained that the fact that Pharaoh had two duplicate dreams is God's way of affirming its certainty. And then Joseph shifts from interpretation of dreams to giving counsel to the king of Egypt. Joseph is a man of great confidence at this point. And from his release from prison, Joseph is now advising the king of Egypt. And his confidence testifies that his interpretations and his advice came from the God, Elohim God. Now, what was Joseph's advice? Well, let's review. First, Joseph advises that Pharaoh should select a discerning person and appoint him to manage the overall affairs. Now, notice that Joseph didn't actually self-nominate himself, but it is probably implied that Pharaoh's magicians and wise men were not discerning given their inability to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Second, Joseph advises Pharaoh to select additional overseers to collect and store a fifth of the harvest during the seven years of abundance. Storehouses were needed to store this food in the cities, and they were to be placed under government control. Third, Joseph advised Pharaoh that during the seven years of famine, the collected food must be distributed to all in need. Joseph summarizes his advice and warned Pharaoh that the failure to follow these recommendations would cause Egypt to perish. Again, this severe famine in the Near East that lasts for seven years would be utterly devastating. Joseph made it clear to Pharaoh, if you don't take proper action now, in 14 years, you will have no nation to rule because Egypt will no longer exist. Thanks for listening to Bible Sumo Weekly. For more information about me or this podcast, visit our website at biblesumo.com. And you can always send me questions and feedback by direct message on Twitter at BibleSumo. In our next episode, we will continue our series in Genesis and the Life of Joseph and we will learn how Pharaoh responds to Joseph's advice. Follow our podcast and listen to our Bible studies each and every week here at Bible Sumo Weekly.